with our eyes closed, uh, let's just get ready today for today's service as we're already in the midst of praise and worship before God. Uh, let us not just come with anticipation only at retreats or at mission trips when we feel like it matters, but today matters as much as it matters as it's the last day of 2020. Today matters as much as it's the first day of 2021. Today matters as much as it is on the day that we leave on a mission field. Today is important because today is a day that the Lord has given to us to worship Him. So right now, we need to shift our attitude. We need to shift our hearts. Let us not stay lost in our feelings or lost in our emotions. But let's just choose today to worship God and lift up our hands and worship. If we can go to a retreat center and go on our knees and pray with tears in our eyes, repenting before God, then what's to stop us today to worship Him today on this beautiful day, on this new day that God has given us today? So can we just turn to God right now at this time and turn our hearts back to Him every single day? And today, make that decision and that choice to lift up our hands and worship Him this morning. Can we just come together and sing, Lord, send revival. Revival doesn't start from outside. It starts from you. It starts from us. It starts from within. For Christ lives in you. For the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Let's sing together, Lord, send revival. Lord, send revival. Glory I have glimpsed 
send revival start with me let's pray together show me your ways Lord teach me your paths guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long remember me Lord have great mercy and love upon me for they are from of old do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love remember me for you Lord are always good Heavenly Father we just want to thank you for this new day that you have given us to worship you Forgive us, God, of our jaded hearts and our jaded attitudes. For, God, I am one of the unclean lips. I am one of the unclean hands, O oh God. But I'm not here because of my merits. I'm not here because of my accomplishments. I'm not here because I am your favorite. But I'm here because, God, I repent and I humble myself today. And I choose to be in the house of God because, God, I choose today to humble myself because, God, before you, I cannot stand for you are a holy God. But through the blood that was shed for me, the blood that was shed for me, the ultimate sacrifice that was shed for me, that is why I am here today, that I am able to enter your presence with humility and with confidence and with courage and strength. So God, forgive us, God, of being too proud and too blind of our own ways and our own emotions and to our own agendas. We choose today, this morning, to humble ourselves and to choose you today. and to receive your word, and to worship you, not just with our hearts, but with our hands and worship. I pray, God, now as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth, the message that I'm about to deliver, and for those who are listening, for the hearts of all those who are listening, that God will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, our king and our strength and our rock. We give you all the glory. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Let's just take a moment to greet our neighbors at this time. If you can just take a look at the screen. And uh, keep in mind, we are in the season of Advent now, starting today. And again, Uh, we have four weeks. Advent means there's four weeks before Christmas, Christmas service. Uh, with that, the theme I want us to keep in mind these next four weeks is this one. Point at yourself and say, this one. This one. Who are you talking to, Ronnie? The projector? Turn to your neighbor again and point at them and say, this one. and say, this one life matters. Amen. <laughs> with that, if you could just look at the screen, and let's just begin our service with this video. So what is Evan about? Evan is ultimately about God, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But who is Evan for? Who is it for? It's for you. It's for us. It's for me. It's for this one life 
that is important, that is so important to God. You may think that one life doesn't matter, but one life matters to God. Just as coronavirus has taken too many individuals, as the president said, right, what did he say? One life is too many. One life is too many. And your life is so precious and priceless before God. And Evan is about Christ, his birth, and it's about his ascension, and it's about his dissension, his second coming, Evan. We, we talked about this last year. It's about Jesus Christ, but who is it for? It's for us, it's for me, it's for this one life. And your life today is precious. And I'm here to remind us that. Jong, an individual who's very dear to me, she passed away a few years ago now. And through her, we were able to be connected with the nursing home and with the North Korea, the yard sale, the things that we've been doing over the years. I met her in seminary, and she was like a grandmother to me. And she told me this one time, a week before she passed away, she said this to me. And that season, if you remember, that was a very tough season, not just for our church, but it was, very, it was a tough season for me. And she was an advocate for me, and she prayed for me, and I felt the power of her prayer. She always prayed, and she always prayed for each and every single one of us. She came to the ordination as well. She got me these books, commentary books, and I was like, thank you, but I already had them at home, so I have two copies, two sets of copies. And an older lady carrying the book, she's like, congratulations. And she said that, she said, if someone were to offer me a billion dollars to forsake one person, I would never take it. And she said, do you know why? Because that one person is so precious to God. And I'm here to remind you today that your life matters. That you are so precious before the living God. And with that, with number one, you are priceless in Christ. Never forget that you are priceless. That you are so precious before God. You are priceless and you cannot be so. In Christ, this word in, this word in has been in my heart for a few years now. It's been resonating in my heart. For we are joined in Christ, with Christ. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. In Christ, we cannot be so. The enemy has no power and hold over us. You will not be left stranded. You will not be left behind because you are a precious individual. Christianity isn't just about me. Again, I'm not here to focus about me, me, me getting there first. But it's about us collectively as a whole. But it's yes, you matter. Because you matter, we become a whole body. And all of us, it's not about getting to the first place, second place. But it's all of us getting there to the finish line together. Ultimately, seeing each other in heaven for all of eternity. How beautiful and how amazing is that truth. You are priceless in Christ. There's a story in Matthew 18. And then there's another story in Luke 15. And Luke 15 is the one that I'm going to focus on in today's message. But in Matthew 18, version, verse 12 to 14, it says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. That's where our church name comes from, not just Psalm 1, 
deep roots. But 9941, Deep Roots Church, 9941. That's our website, .com, our email. 9941, he will leave. He will go to the hills, go look for the one that wandered off. But I love Luke 15's version better because it's more descriptive, it's more vivid, it's detailed, it's more graphic. And in Luke 15 version, verse 3 to 7, it tells us, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amen. Remember, priceless. You are priceless. You are worth chasing. Number two, wait for Christ. Keep in mind, I am not saying run to him. I'm asking you to wait for him. You know, in the future, in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about running to God. But today, I want to talk about waiting on him. Today, we wait. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite author, pastor, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. And then he also had a prequel, which was God's pursuit of man. So man's pursuit of God, and then God's pursuit of man prequel. And it's prequel because God pursuing us comes first. You and I are here today because God pursued us first. It's not us pursuing God, and then God decided to reveal himself to you. God pursued us. It says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved you. He first loved me. He first loved us. That is why we respond to his love. We don't pursue this love first. It is not my love. It is not my loyalty. It is not my faithfulness that holds God. But it is God that pursues after you. And as we wait on him, he's the one that brings us closer to his heart. He's the one that, he's the pursuer. And we are the responder. We wait on him. Wait for Christ. We love because he first loved us. Jewish leaders in Luke 15 and Matthew 18. In their mindset during that time, they thought forgiveness only came to those who sought after repentance. I mean, that is so much true. But they thought that it was about us pursuing God, pursuing the law. But the truth is, Jesus is reminding us through this parable in Luke 15 that it's about God pursuing after the lost. That he is the first, that he is the pursuer, and we are the responder. He pursues after me. That's why it says in Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is why he came. That's what Evan is about. He came as a baby, as an infant. He came to save us, to seek and to save the lost. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son to whoever believes and shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Who's him? Through Christ. So the question, are you lost? Are you stuck right now, today, at this moment? You feel lost in your emotion. You feel like you can't move. You cannot get up. Good. Then there's hope for us because we have a God. We have Jesus Christ who pursues after me. He passionately pursues after you. He's not just sitting and waiting. He's passionate in bringing sinners back home. What does it say in Luke 15? 99 in the open country goes after the lost ship and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and brings it back home. And he calls his friends and neighbors, tells them, rejoice with me. And he celebrates. Jesus is passionate about bringing us back home. If you look at Luke 15, 8 to 10, if you look at the story of the lost coin, it talks about a woman. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I think I'm a kind of a a sympathetic kind of guy. Not sympathetic. What do you call people who are um, like attached to, uh, I can't think of Oh, yes. It's because you're sentimental, Ronnie. Are you? No, Ronnie doesn't care. He just throws away. So, oh, Andy's sentimental, though. Today, I was trying to put on my tie, and I have this place where I put the, the tie clip. And I have two because sometimes it gets long, and I do the inside. And it's a thing that I've been doing for years. It's a gift that I got. And then I looked at the thing, and I was like, it's not there. I was like, where is it? There's no way that I would ever lose because I have a system when I go, when I take off my tie, I put it there and I cannot take off my tie without the, with the tie clip. It's impossible. It's like either Dan stole it from me or I don't know, something happened. It's somewhere, it's there. But I got pretty sad. I was looking. That's why I ran a little late today because I was looking for it. I'm going to find it when I go home today. But that's what the story is about. That one coin, this woman, she searches carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And that one coin is that one life. That is us. That is you. Jesus is pursuing us right now, here today. We have a Father who pursues after us. We have a Father who passionately pursues after us, after this one. Who is this one? This one life is you. Is me. Jesus is not just waiting, but is passionately chasing after the sinner, after the lost, after the broken. Your whole life, he's after you. Do you not feel his call? Even right now, as we're sitting here, he's passionately pursuing after us. One of my favorite stories is about a paralyzed man who was paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus, he does nothing, but Jesus goes, to, goes up to him 
pursues this man. 38 years. He's older than us. And says, do you want to get well? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And this man walks. He is pursuing after us. He is pursuing the lost. He's not just sitting and waiting. He's pursuing me. I've shared this story in the past about sheep, 1,500 sheep. They were going, and the shepherds, they were away. And all of them, they fell. They started following one another off a cliff, a ravine. And they fell, a canyon. They just fell, fell, fell. 400 died instantly. And it cushioned the rest, 1,100, it cushioned the rest. But many of them were injured. And then the story goes, these shepherds, once they found out what happened, they went and think about the mess. It's all the blood and everything. And the ones who are alive, they will carry them one by one, bring them to safety, back to his safety. And that's what shepherds do, right? Shepherd, our Christ, he leads us, he brings us. When we're lost, when we get lost, when we get lost in our own way. Imagine these broken sheep. What can they do? What do they know? How can they save themselves? How can they rescue themselves? But the shepherd knows what to do, for they know the sheep, and the sheep knows them. Matthew 18 is not very descriptive and beautiful in its description, but Luke 15 is very beautiful in its description. Just imagine all the broken sheep, and that's what Christ does. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and then calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If you've ever been in a place when you're young, at a young age, you've been lost. I've been lost a few times. One major one was I was at an amusement park we went to this like haunted, kind of cute haunted house. In kindergarten in Korea, they make you dress like minions and they make you wear hats and we're all green and we're, I will hold hands and this person let go of my hand and somehow I got lost in this haunted house. And then I remember vividly, like I was lost, I, I cried a little bit, not a lot, I cried a little bit. And then I remember being in the police station and then I didn't know what was going on. And I remember vividly, my father, once he came and got me, we lived in a six-floor apartment, no elevator. He would carry me on his back and bring me. My father's here. I don't know if he remembers. He'll probably say no, he doesn't remember. But I remember at a young age bringing me up, and I remember that vividly. And whenever I read this passage, I'm reminded of that. And we could all put it in our own personal experience in our lives. Christ doesn't just wait but he pursues after that one, this one life, one life. So whenever I feel lost or I feel broken or I feel like I'm not good enough, God, I'm a hypocrite and I'm a liar and I sin before you always, God, and I have a rebellious heart. And whenever I find myself in a hopeless state or my emotions get the best of me or in a sinful state, we must remember Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Remember Luke 15. Remember Matthew 18. Remember the story of the one who lives, 
We serve a living God, and he is pursuing after you right now, here today, to bring us back home like the prodigal son. And we will talk about the prodigal son. We're going to talk about running to him in a few weeks. But remember, this one life, it matters because we have the one who passionately pursues after me despite my many sins and my rebellion. Isaiah 40, verse 11. I want to encourage you to memorize this passage, one of the most beautiful passages. He tends his flock like a shepherd. It's foretelling a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Again, Isaiah didn't know the Messiah. He didn't know Jesus would come. But through the word, through God, he was given a word, and he says, this Messiah, which is what we're here to celebrate, Advent, he, Jesus Christ, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Just as if you're sitting in a subway or a bus, you see a pregnant woman come in, what would you do? You stay on your phone and you listen to music and you're like, well, I think a lot of young people, these I pray that it will change, but we see a lot of selfishness that's happening in this next generation, and in our generation also, and also the older generation. No generation is perfect, but what do you do? You get up and let them sit. Let them sit. Jesus, he knows who his sheep are. And he is the ultimate shepherd. Isaiah 40.11 is closely tied with Luke 15. So imagine many years later, Jesus Christ comes. The Messiah comes. And he talks about this parable about the lost sheep. That he carries them. He picks them up on his shoulder. And he brings it back home. What a beautiful description of who our God is, that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He carrying you. He carries you. He's carrying you right now close to his heart. You are dear to him. You are dear to him. So wait on Christ. Number three and last point, Trust in Christ. Trust in Him. I know we hear that often, and oftentimes it just goes over our heads. But you have to trust Him, even now. You have to choose to trust Him. You must rely on Him always, no matter what. Why? Why? Why must you trust Him? Because the Scripture tells us so. And I pray that your heart will be pushed and urged and pushed in the direction where you will trust in Him no matter what. The scripture tells us in John 10, 11 through 15, that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Imagine that for a second. Imagine that. He will lay down his life. 
for us. And that he did. He did. He's not just a talker. He did it with his action, with his heart, with his whole being. And he goes on to say, verse 12, the higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep, which means the world cares nothing for you. The enemy is a deceiver. Satan is a deceiver. These false teachers are deceivers. They pretend to care for you, but they are not there for you. They look out after themselves, they put themselves first, and they allow the individual or the members or the sheep, the flock, to get hurt and become scattered. The man runs away because he has a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus goes on to say, I am, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love the book of John because it talks about Jesus Christ laying down his life. It talks about what it means for true love, what true love represents. And John 15 verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. It's not just words, but he did it. He did it once and for all so that you and I, we can have life. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. This one. He left the 99 for this one. And who is that one? That's me. Me. That's you. That's us. So as we're in the season of heaven this year, in 2020, let us remember, let it resonate in your mind and your heart this week, throughout the weeks until leading up to Christmas, the phrase, this one. Revival begins with me, with you, with me, not outside. It begins from the heart. When my life changes, everything changes in your surrounding in your life, in your own family, in the place where you are. It begins with me. One life, one life. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for this one. And with that, I want to invite you guys uh, to, at this time, close your eyes with me. And I'm going to ask the praise team to come up also right now we need to come back and turn back to our first love and we must remember what christmas is all about christmas is not about gifts it's not about christmas trees it's not about lights it's not about the children or just anything right like the simpsons episode think about the children right it's not about the children it's not about any of that stuff all that stuff is good those are just extra things but the main thing let's keep the main thing 
the main thing is about Christ, his birth, and the life that he lived, and the legacy that he left. And who and what is his legacy? Your, his legacy is us. You are his legacy. It's about your life being saved. It's about you once you were blind. You were once deaf and blind. But now you see. It's about that one life repenting and turning back to God and becoming saved and finding the Savior. That one life is so precious and so important to God. And never forget who you are and whose you are and who you belong to. Don't forget your identity. This one life, one life, so important and so crucial to God. I've shared this story in the past. I want to ask the praise team also, everybody in this room, let's keep our eyes closed. And I want us to envision this story, which we heard before. And I want to end this sermon, this message with this story. And it's a beautiful story, a powerful story of sacrifice and an amazing picture of who our Lord Jesus Christ is, the one who came and lived this life to die for me. On January 13, 1982, Air Florida Flight 90, Washington National Airport bound for Miami. As the plane took off, it fell to gain altitude and it crashed into the 14th Street Bridge into the icy Potomac River, instantly killing 78 people. The story tells us that six survived the initial crash. And after the whole incident, among the testimony of the survivor, this one passenger, he kept helping others to reach for the rescue ropes from the helicopter above. As the helicopter was hovering over, he continued to pass the line to others and not using it on himself. The testimony tells us he kept holding on and handing off the rope to a different survivor, one after another, as he held on to the end of the, of the plane. And after lifting the last injured passenger to safety, the water continued to engulf this individual, ultimately killing Arlen Dean Jr. Arlen Dean Jr., he held, he clung to the tail of the plane. By the time the helicopter came, Arlen Dean William Jr. had already drowned. And why is that story so beautiful? Because that's what Christ did for us. And this story doesn't even compare to what Christ did for us. Do you understand that he went? He drank the sin of all of mankind every individual who had lived swallowed the cup of sin and went on the cross to die for you and to die for me. Why? So that we can have life and life to the full. Not so that you can be lost in your emotions, 
to allow your faith to become like a roller coaster, up and down, up today, down tomorrow, up and down, up down, barely surviving, always crawling, not being victorious. His death is enough. His birth is enough. It's more than enough. Whether you get the job promotion, whether you get the job that you want, whether you get the degree that you want, whether you get to graduate on time or not, whether you get the GPA that you wanted, whether you're in that relationship that you wanted, whether that relationship ends, or whatever happens in life, Christ is enough. Even if your business is failing, even if your health is failing, Christ is enough. The season of Advent is a season for us to reflect and to remember that Christ is enough. More than enough. May our faith get to a place easier said than done. That God you give and you take away. May the name of the Lord be praised as we went over in the series of Job in the sermons. Whatever it is, God, whatever fire I go through, whatever storms and waters, how much the water engulfs me, you are more than enough. And that's what the season of Advent is all about. The birth of Christ, the one who gave hope, the light to all of mankind. For you and for me. As we're in the season of Advent, we must know who Christ is and what he did for us. Advent is not about gifts, Christmas trees, food, white elephants, secret, Santa. But it's about Christ. It's what he did for us. For this one life. For this one. With that, in the quietness of our hearts, Just quietly, can we just come before God right now and turn our hearts back to Him? Say, God, start within me, O Lord. Start with this one life. Change me, transform me, restore me so that I may know you more each day. How can I go further away from you, God? How dare I go up and down in my faith? when you gave your all for me. The only thing that I can do, the only thing you can do is to respond with the rest of your life right now, the remaining years and the days and the months you have left. Live for the one that matters. Live for the one who loves you and who died for you. Live for him. Don't live for the things of this world. Don't lose yourself in the pursuit of this world, in the job, the dream job. Oh, all that is fleeting. All that is nothing. It's garbage, as Paul says, compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. May we turn our hearts back to him. Turn to him, for he is pursuing after you right now. Can we turn to him right now? In the quietness of our voice. Just pray to him. Pray to him. He is listening. 
He's carrying you right now close to his heart. You're on your way back home. He's carrying you like a lamb. You're broken, you're injured. You're not able to carry yourself back. He's carrying you on your shoulders as it tells us in Luke 15. He's carrying you home right now. He's with you right now. Tell him as your head is resting on his chest, as you're holding on to him, as he's holding on to you, whisper to his ears. Whisper to him. Tell him, God, I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Let's pray. In the whisper of your voice, just pray to him. Pray to him. one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it and when he finds it he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me I have found my lost sheep I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them. He's carrying you close to his heart. And he gently leads the, those that have you. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your unconditional love. Lord, we repent and we humble ourselves today. We may turn back to our first love, the one that matters the most. God, you are my first, you are in my middle, and God, you are my last. And in my final breath, no matter how I go, 
I will lift my hands and worship and praise you for all that you have done, for all the good things you have done through me, in me, in this one, this one life. I praise you today. I give you all the glory. God, my words are not enough to declare your praises, to tell you how beautiful and how amazing you are. We turn our hearts back to you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen. Can we all stand to our feet real quick? And before we do our offering, transition to our offering, can we just sing uh, the same revival? Start with me. We're looking to the promise of all. Let's just sing it one time straight through, maybe chorus, maybe twice, three times. But let's just end our service with worship. Let's worship together. Looking to your promise of all, that if we pray and humble ourselves, Glimpse, send a ring. 